So we're reporting. Great. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's starting? I, I was going to. I was okay. waiting for, oh. for a lull. Okay. For a lull. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to a WebTech special episode of Talking Underwater. I'm Bob Crossan. I'm Amy McIntosh. And I'm Lauren Baltus. And we were at WebTech this week. Uh, we're all a little bit tired, kind of catching up. A little bit. But we did get to um, record some interviews on the show floor um, throughout the week, and we wanted to share them with you. So, Amy, you want to start with that? Sure. So, Monday, the first day of the show, um, we headed over to the Wisconsin booth um, where the Water Council was um, stationed and we met with Steve Glynn, Director of Innovation for the Water Council and Dean Amhouse, President President and CEO of the Water Council. Um, and we talked to them kind of about the Water Council in general, what their you know their mission is, their goals are. Um, and then also they were they had just kicked off the 2018 Brew Accelerator competition and the Brew Corporate Accelerator Competition. Um, so we got some details about those programs. So here's our interview with Steve and Dean. We are here at the Wisconsin Water Council Pavilion at WEF Tech 2018. Um, we're here with Dean Amhouse, President and CEO of the Water Council, and Steve Glynn, Director of Innovation for the Water Council. Um, so, I guess to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about what the Water Council is? Well, <clears throat> we're not a utility, and uh, we're a unique organization. We are a cluster of organizations and businesses and universities. Uh, and I guess to be able to track it back, to be able to get a real sense of things, is our roots really go back to beer. <laughs> I like beer. Um, <laughs> But it's actually, so Milwaukee was really founded by the Germans, and um, they came because of the rivers and the access to the, the land and the farms, and so they started brewing lots and lots of beer. And of course those breweries needed to have suppliers that were making the pumps and the valves and the meters to process all that water. And we came experts on working with water. And over time, that just continued to evolve. New businesses came in, uh, and we found about 10 years ago that we had this strong water technology hub in, in Milwaukee. And we've now evolved to the point where we've attracted companies, we are starting up new companies. So now we've got 225 true water technology companies within about an hour and a half of our central place in Milwaukee. But it's not just the, the companies, and there are big, huge corporations. You know, there's, you'll see them here from, you know, the, the Badger Meters to the Xylems to the Polars, but we've also got small companies and medium-sized companies as well. And then uh, universities that are very, very strong, the only school of freshwater scientists in the United States, uh, literally four minutes away from our facility. We've got uh, utilities that have gone through some tough times in the past and have learned from that and have really become experts, but even more so is that they are willing to be innovators and to be able to look at new technologies, which in the world of sort of utilities is 
very unique because typically, you know, uh, utilities are sort of the last adopters. We've got utilities that are going to be the first adopters. They want to pilot and try new things. And so we as an organization really pull that all together. And as one of our staff says, you know, really sort of like Match.com for water. <laughs> and it's bringing together talent, innovation, technology, uh, and combine that to really grow the industry in Milwaukee. And so we are, as an organization, uh, we are an economic development organization that is focused on water technology. And uh, when we really found what we had here, we looked across the country, the United States, and across the world, and really determined that we had something very special and unique, and that is why we are the World Water Hub. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know at WEFTEC you're making some announcements and you just um, started up your Brew Accelerator program. Could you explain what that is? I'll turn it over to Steve who runs sure, it. Sure, thanks. So uh, the Brew Accelerator is our program for water technology startups, focused exclusively on them, their well-being, and helping them advance their ideas. So it's a three and a half month program. There's funding involved. And during the program, we connect them to resources, mentors, um, coaches, and anything else uh, that will help them advance their ideas. Um, we are also happy and excited that uh, as of a couple weeks ago, but we're just announcing it here at the show as well, formally that we're part of the Global Accelerator Network as well. So exclusive company, about 90 plus of the best accelerators around the world who are part of the, the or GAN or the Global Accelerator Network. And how do people get involved with your with the Brew Accelerator program? So I'm glad you asked. We just this morning launched watertechhub.com, which is a brand new site to house not just the Brew Accelerator, but all of the tech challenges that we support as part of the Water Council, um, which includes a corporate accelerator that's powered by A.O. Smith. So A.O. Smith funds the startup, um, and we run the startup through the same curriculum and program that we do with the other, uh, which next year will be another five startups that we invest in. And is there like an application process? Yes. Okay. Yes, great, great question. Forgetting these details here. <laughs> um, uh, it opened this morning mm -hmm. and the application process for both Brew and Brew Corporate, powered by A.O. Smith, will run through November 30th. And then there will be uh, a finalist period and we'll do some intense video and phone interviews mm -hmm. with these companies, really vet them, and then uh, make some final selections probably if not by the end of the year, early uh, in 2019. And then the Brew program and the Brew corporate programs both run uh, March 25th through June, I believe, 28th next year. I gotta tell you a little uh, tidbit, and I'm yeah. not gonna embarrass Steve at all here, but <laughs> so we were literally launching the website today and cramming. So Steve got 40 minutes 40 sleep minutes. last night. Yeah. <laughs> 40 yeah. minutes. That, I said that's the, dedication. Twice Why that, 40? That explains yeah. the miss on the details. Like 40. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like 20. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. The, like site little, the site's really up, good. but that's it all I know. Looks, right. It looks great. Well, congratulations on the site. Thank you. And is there anything in particular that you're looking for from those who apply? Well, we do have uh, a number of areas of interest for our group corporate accelerator uh, that AO Smith is sponsoring, and that's all listed on watertechhub.com. 
and then for our brew accelerator, we um, we were looking for emerging oh emerging technologies <laughs> in general, um, but also looking for um, it. Those are the whales. Yeah, <laughs> the whale oh, yeah. sounds. It's New Orleans they're whale. mating. Right they're, now. they're so excited about <laughs> the brew. Mississippi River yeah. whale. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, brew. The brew accelerator will also have an emphasis, uh, a bit of a focus on Wisconsin agriculture and uh, technologies that will address issues around that topic as well. So, have you been able to walk around the show floor yet? Have you found, seen anything that you're like, oh wow, that's just really intriguing to me? Has anything sparked your curiosity on the show floor? Uh, with all honesty, it's it's hard uh, for me to to <laughs> sort of walk through because there's so much. Yes, that, that's the challenge, and um, it's like information overload kind of stuff. And so you never have enough time to actually sit down and talk to people and. You know, inevitably you're walking through and you meet this person and this person and that person. Um, it, Steve and I, we're not the technical persons yeah. as well. So, you know, it's like, oh, that's kind of like, wow, that's kind of a cool, shiny thing, you know, and mm -hmm. to get into that as well. But what's been great is to be able to have the companies who are coming to us mm -hmm. and say, you know, they've got a new shiny thing and really start talking about it. And seeing its applications... Uh, not only in the utility side, but I think where we are seeing a big uh, future is on the industrial users mm -hmm. as well. Uh, boy, we're seeing that, and I'm hearing that, you know, just in a matter of a short time from the, today, where there is so much growth that's going on because yeah. these industrial water users realize they've got to get these kind of technologies to be able to operate their own mm -hmm. facilities. Yeah. Well, we. We've covered the industrial side of things for a while now, and we've noticed that that is becoming an increasing trend. A lot of those industrial users are seeking better optimization, they're seeking better water use, they're seeking all of those yeah. things. So it's interesting that like manufacturers have not caught on. They're like, oh, wow, there's an opportunity for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's the thing that um, you know, utilities are always going to be there, yeah. and they're always going to be important. But you know, there is that secondary market um, that's going to be the food and beverage. You know, the yeah. cheese maker. Uh, it's going to yeah. be the petrochemical company. It's the chip manufacturer. These are all companies that are now starting to realize, hey, I got to deal with my own water issues. Mm -hmm. And actually, if I deal with them, I can save money or I can make money off of mm -hmm. them as well. Because uh, they, I don't want to say, can't necessarily rely upon a utility, but they've got to be able to have that contingency plan is what if it stops? Mm -hmm. I got to deal with it. I got to keep that factory going. Okay. Well, I think that's all we have. But th so thanks for sitting down with us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. Get some sleep. Yeah, get yeah, some I'll sleep. Try. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> well, end of the week. All right. And on Tuesday, we, um, myself, Lauren and our editorial director Bill went and spoke with Jonas Rugies at the Esri booth and we talked about how software and data is kind of revolutionary re revolutionizing the um, stormwater sector um, so here's that interview so we're here at WAPTEC 2018 New Orleans with um, Jonas Rugies from Esri 
Um, and he's a solutions engineer for their um, water. How did you say our, that? Our global water practice. Global water practice. Um, and we're just chatting about, you know, your technology. So, Jonas, why don't we start off? Can you tell me a little bit about smart mapping for stormwater and kind of what that means? Yeah, sure thing, Lauren. Um, so we see a lot more municipalities and utilities needing to do a complete inventory of their stormwater system. Of the three different types of water infrastructure, water, wastewater, storm, stormwater is by far the least mapped out. So most organizations don't have a good idea of where their assets are. So what we've been providing is the foundational tools for utilities to go out and do a complete inventory of their stormwater assets and also provide the foundation to do inspections and preventative maintenance going forward. So, you know, when we think about smart water or smart stormwater, the foundation for any smart system starts with good quality data. And the majority of utilities we work with are still there in that part of getting data quality together. So is this a growing trend that you're seeing in the stormwater world? Is it still fairly new? Absolutely. So regulations are primarily driving more and more municipalities and utilities to completely map out their stormwater system. It's a major area of growth and effort across the board. So what questions is it answering? What data, what is the data answering? So the first question is, where is our stormwater infrastructure? That's inventory. And then the next question is, what condition is it in? How much water that falls on the ground is making it to the natural rivers and waterways? How much is getting absorbed by pervious surfaces? And getting a good understanding of, during any rain event, how much water is discharged into rivers, how much water is absorbed, and you know, how can we improve that as a service territory or a city boundary to improve our stormwater system, improve our conveyance system, you know, reduce impervious surfaces, and really achieve those regulatory goals that are becoming you know, more and more strict. So we just experienced Hurricane Florence. Have you seen any or expect to see any kind of applications of this type of technology during these extreme weather events? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so we provide technology that allows any city or any organization to go through the complete process of first planning for extreme events. So what do our flood maps look like? Is our FEMA flood map up to date? In many cases, it's not. It could be up to 50 years old. So we're providing the technology to understand elevation data, bringing in all that information from FEMA, like what developers and property owners have done, letters of map amendments, bringing that together and then predicting what are we looking at when a major storm hits. If we have a 10-foot storm surge, what's going to be inundated? What critical infrastructure will be impacted? And also the during the event, the technology to visualize you know, how much rain is projected to fall in the next 72 hours and being able to not only visualize that information for decision makers, but also push it out to the public. Mm -hmm. What roads are closed? Mm -hmm. Where are the evacuation centers? What roads are open? And then finally, following a disaster, how do we do damage assessment? So mobile devices like smartphones, iPads, tablets, that's given organizations the ability to go out in the field, conduct damage assessments, and have that information flowing into decision makers in real time. It's faster, easier. 
really can revolutionize the stormwater world. Absolutely. So I have kind of a grandiose question for you that we'll end on. Um, how do you see data changing the stormwater world? It's, this is a growing trend. Absolutely. So data is key to making better decisions. So whether we're talking about having a good idea of your impervious surfaces across your system or a good idea of the condition of your stormwater infrastructure or what else to invest in, really the long-term impact on the world of stormwater will be achieving the goals that we have, reducing pollution, reducing runoff, you know, encouraging more and more sustainable development, pervious surfaces, and achieving those regulatory objectives that a lot of these municipalities are moving in response to. It's, it's a key part of resiliency and sustainability going forward into the 21st century. Definitely something to watch for. Absolutely. Do you have any real-life examples of your smart mapping? Have you been re uh, working with cities or are you in the process of working with cities about this concept? Absolutely. So many organizations that we work with are leveraging our solution templates for stormwater. So that's an entire set of starting points for any organization responsible for inventory and inspection of their stormwater system. So best management practices, specific configurations, a starting data model, all of that's available and I've worked with you know various municipalities and utilities leveraging those tools. Also looking into image classification for impervious surface analysis, this has been a traditional challenge for utilities and a very costly and time intensive effort to take satellite imagery and determine from that imagery what surfaces are pervious and which are impervious and how do we calculate our stormwater fees based off of that. We're seeing a lot of advances with AI and machine learning to better identify impervious surfaces which has taken a lot of the time and effort out of that process. So can you name a city by name and maybe talk about what you're doing for that city or a recent example? So, you know, I don't have any examples right off the bat. I'd want to, you know, first check with the city and make sure I want to talk about what they're doing. Right. Yeah, but we are in the process of developing references and case studies in the stormwater world. I'd be happy to follow up with you on that. Great. Thank you so much, Jonas. Yeah, sure thing, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of WebTech. Absolutely. And then on Wednesday, I met with Annie Weiss at Inductive Automation. She is the Public Sector Development Coordinator. She works with their integrators and consultants on bringing projects to market. So we talked a little bit about the changes and the shift from design bid build to design build, as well as a little bit of information on uh, their event that they had just the other week where they handed out some awards and um, for some cool projects and whatnot. So here's a little bit from Annie. Hi guys, Bob Crossan from Water and Waste Digest. I'm here with Annie Weiss from Inductive Automation. Um, her title was difficult for me to pronounce, so I was going to have her pronounce it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the reins on that one. <laughs> My name is Annie Weiss, and I'm the Public Sector Development Coordinator at Inductive Automation. Yeah. So Annie works directly with integrators and consultants on bringing projects to market, um, specifically with their software and ignition and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to talk to her about uh, design bid build versus design build and other trends she's noticed in that kind of 
that kind of area. So, yeah, we, why don't we just start there with design, bid, build, and design, build. What are you noticing there? Are people moving toward one or the other? Um, have there been changes? Yeah, definitely. We're, we're starting to see some themes emerge, um, you know, within especially the, the water market. And traditionally, there's been a lot of design, bid, build projects. And um, now we're seeing a trend where people are changing to design, build. Mm -hmm. And when we speak to our customers, a part of that is the bidding process takes a very long time. And with technologies changing so rapidly and advancing, so oftentimes when you've done a project, designed it, and bid it, by the time you get ready to build it, those technologies aren't actually the most modern choice for the client. Mm -hmm. And so they have to start over again, and it takes a lot of time and money and resources to do that. And, and we see our clients wanting to do straight design builds. You know, They want to work directly with the consultants, the manufacturers, and see what is the most um, current progressive technology that's going to take them into the future and have a sustainable architecture and system that they can work with. Yeah. So, the, And this sounds to me like it could lend itself more toward like you're winning people over with your personality your customer service a lot more because it is a very direct connection in that way there's no like middle piece yes any anytime you add more pieces to the process sometimes you know mm -hmm. it can complicate things right and you can lose that connection directly with the manufacturers or or with the product right that you're trying yeah. to use so uh, people are trying to streamline this process mm -hmm. and you know we definitely want people to have the right information and be be aware in the market of what these mm -hmm. different products provide so uh, we're excited to be a part of you know both processes but we've seen how things have, have been a little cleaner with the design builds yeah yeah so when when you're doing this integration stuff tell me a little bit about your process with your integrators your consultants and going in that direction yeah so consultants um, we have a particular relationship with them which is creating awareness and education about mm -hmm. our product so that they understand it it's a part of their toolkit to divide to provide to their to their clients mm -hmm. and um, they work directly sometimes with our integrators on projects because mm -hmm. they consult and they, they write bid specifications. Mm -hmm. um, now our integrators are an incredible resource because they're the boots on the ground. They're the ones that are integrating and creating these custom software uh, platforms for mm -hmm. the client. Um, and you know they often have that direct relationship with the end user. So mm -hmm. they kind of all work in conjunction together. Yeah. Um, and, and that's an important piece because we can't really exclude anybody from the conversation when we talk about projects and, and bringing solutions that are effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you guys just handed out a bunch of your Firebrand awards too. You had some some cool projects with that. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about the Firebrand awards there? Yeah, so the Firebrand awards are something we give away each year at our Ignition Community Conference, and we have what's called a Discover Gallery. So integrators from all over the globe uh, submit projects that they where they've used our, our software platform Ignition, and you know we score them, we we look through them, we look for diversity of projects, scales of projects, and what's new and interesting. You know, our community is very innovative, and they think of things we never thought were possible with our software so it's a it's a great way for us to see what's next yeah. and on the horizon so um, yeah we we invite them to our conference and there's a select few that get this firebrand awards and and we really try and publicize the work that they do congratulate them for being such a strong component of our community and and hope that they come up with some really exciting projects in the next year too yeah well and like like this year so I know that in terms of water like SCADA systems is generally the where you're going with a lot of that stuff but then I noticed that there was like someone made it into a time management tool which is like that uh, who would have thought of that? <laughs> it's yeah. like really fascinating that someone thought up that yeah. that was really really cool yeah we uh, one of our our great integrators Tamaki controls did that project for Chibani yogurt mm -hmm. and uh, 
you know, how I mentioned our integrators come up with amazing ideas. Um, Ignition is supposed to be a universal platform and it truly is. So um, we want to take their particular field expertise um, and, and allow them to build systems that our, our end users are need. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Yes. Always great talking to you. So we'll Hope see to you. be back. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you again at the Ignition Conference next year, too. Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. That concludes our special episode. Um, we would like to do some more of these at future shows, so um, if you are interested or have some ideas on who we could interview at future shows, please let us know. Um, you can reach us at talkingunderwater at sgcmail.com or visit all of our websites, www.dmag.com, wqpmag.com, and estormwater.com. But until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. See ya. Thank you.